welcome to the Dissident Daughters podcast. I am Ada, and I am super excited for this episode today. This is a first for Dissident Daughters. We have never had a guest like this before. So today I have a, <laughs> I have a faithful believing Mormon, right? Um, I would say a new, very nuanced. A very nuanced. Okay. 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 Um, Yeah. So I love this so much. Um, This, I have Katie Mount with us today. And if you don't know who Katie Mount is, um, she is half of Marriage on a Tightrope. (laughs) Her and her husband, Alan, have been doing Marriage on a Tightrope since 2018. Yeah, it's been, we're coming up on five years. Oh my gosh. Can you believe that? Dang, that's crazy. I know. So I found you probably maybe like six months into your um, podcast, maybe like mid 2018 ish. Um, My husband was kind of like leaving the church over an extended period of time. It was like, we'd been married like maybe almost 20 years when he like put this bombshell on me that guess what? I have never believed in the church. And it was, I mean, I knew that he wasn't like, fully engrossed and involved and loved it, but he did all the things, right? Like he was taking all the steps. He was checking all the boxes. He went on a mission. He, we got married in the temple. Like he served in the bishopric. He served in elders quorum, young men's presidency. Like he always had big callings and he always did them like totally faithfully. And then he was just like, I think we were just like having some conversation one day about church. And I was like, I felt the spirit, blah, 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 so strong. And he's like, I, I don't feel the spirit. And I was like, what? No. And he's like, no, I've never felt the spirit. I don't even know what that is. Like, I think I genuinely think people are faking it. And I was like, no, I am not faking it. Like, so it was this really huge bombshell, but I kept saying, you have to try harder. Like, I'm like, no, you can't, you know, I I said, I think you felt the spirit you're just forgetting is what I kept telling him. I just, I invalidated his experiences completely, which was not, not good for me to do. I see that now, but like at the time, I'm just like, no, there's no way you served a whole mission and never felt the spirit. He's like, dude, I have tried. I have done all of the things. And I mean, I had to give him credit because he really genuinely had, he he was faithful and active the whole time we were married, every single thing, you know, baptized all our kids, blah, blah, blah. So his, his faith experience or journey or whatever was a little bit different than Alan's maybe. Um, He didn't necessarily go down a rabbit hole of church history and stuff like that, but I definitely experienced the, I don't know, like the fear of my husband leaving the church and like being like, oh my gosh, my family is falling apart. I'm losing my eternal family. So I love, I, and that's why I came and found you. And I immediately felt less alone because that is a really lonely journey, right? It, yeah, it absolutely is. So lonely because, and I think I went back and listened to your Mormon stories episode again, which I love so, oh man, that's, that was like, oh, it was so long. <laughs> it's a long one, but I mean, it's three episodes, right? He developed up. I love it, dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm like a total fangirl of your, <laughs> I just think you guys are the best. You're, you're like my favorite couple in the whole world. Oh, um, you're, you're real. Like 
you don't, you don't say that everything's perfect. I don't feel like you pretend at all. Like, I feel like you tell the truth and like in your episode, sometimes you and Alan, like you can feel a little bit of tension, but you're like trying so hard, but it's real. It's like, people can really connect with that. Right. Like, have you, have you seen that and had that feedback from other people? I'm sure you have. Yeah. I think that that was one thing that I told Alan that I would never do is I would never pretend to be someone I wasn't. And yeah. Alan is very unapologetically himself where I'm very, I'm very much more reserved um, when it comes to what I share with yeah. others. You have more of a filter than Alan for sure. Yes. yes, I do. And to be, and also I just, in my nature, really, it's in my nature to um, want everyone to feel comfortable with me. And so oh, yes. not that I'm, I'm hiding or masking anything, totally. um, only that I, I respect where everyone comes from and everyone has a different point of view and a different life experience. And I feel like all, all of it is valid. And so yeah. I really, I really pride myself on being able to use the for me, right, in my experience mm -hmm. um, type of language while yes. also making room for people who can just disagree with me and have it be totally fine. Yes, and I love that. You you mentioned that, um, like, instead of saying, like, um, what's true or not true, it's more like this works or doesn't work for me kind of thing. Yeah, and I love that. You're, you have a gift, <laughs> for nuance. I, I really think you do. And I really wish, I genuinely wished that I could have been more nuanced. I think I, I definitely like after, after my husband left, I was, I was sort of in crisis mode, but I was like double down in the church. And like, now I have to do everything extra because I have to save both of us. I genuinely like felt that. Did you kind of go through that phase? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well, you know, that is, that's so much pressure to put on yourself. Yes, totally, yeah. totally. And I, and it, and you know, there are so many well-meaning family members and leaders, but they usually intentionally and unintentionally put that pressure on you as well. Wow. And, and I definitely felt that for a long time until yes. I realized that I could control nothing. And yes, and, and, and it wasn't for me to control. So when I, when I let go of the fear, when I let go of the control, then I was able to see myself, see my husband, see my children in a new way that allowed space. And, oh. um, you know, even, even in the beginning of the podcast, Alan and I were very naive, came into it saying, we're going to save marriages. This is what we want to do. Mm. And what we realized quickly <laughs> is that not all marriages were worth saving and yeah and there were lots that that were there were lots that uh, had the desire to be saved mm -hmm. but then there were many who it was actually better for them to to um divorce and to live uh, more authentically for both of them yeah and um the and and that was that was great. That's something that we really honored. So it really has been kind of this evolution with, you know, of a, a journey that I'm sure that you've gone through yourself with your mm -hmm. spouse and then yourself and then um, moving forward. What does that look like with 
as a couple? What does it look like individually? What does it look like with our children? Yeah, definitely. And that, that totally brings up a good point. Like, I think the parenting aspect is probably one of the biggest uh, parts of kind of navigating this mixed faith marriage and like just trying to decide, you know, and, and like I say, like my husband didn't have the same exact experience. He just, just was like, I'm out. I can't, I'm mentally, I'm not, I'm not in it anymore. And, um, I mean, it took several years, like we were having conversations and he was in the elders quorum presidency and he finally opened up to, I think the Bishop or maybe even the state president and just said, Hey, like, I don't believe. And I feel like a fraud. I'm up here teaching lessons and like, I'm doing this. And he's like, I don't, I don't want to feel like a fraud anymore. I want to like be honest. And, um, the state president was like, well, we'll, we'll talk about it and see. But he said like, I'm willing to keep serving. And they, and then he called, you know, the state president said, okay, we'll, we'll have a conversation. And then he called back the next day. He's like, yeah, we want you to keep serving. <laughs> we, we don't have anybody else to take your spot or whatever, you know? So, so he was willing and he stayed in it another year after that point. And then it was just at a point it was too hard, but yeah, the like negotiations around parenting, um, were, were tricky. Cause it was like, well, you know, now it's way harder to get my kids to go to church. Cause why is dad staying home? Dad gets to stay home. I want to stay home. Like, have you, <laughs> I'm sure you've had that, right? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So for a long time, Alan would go to church with us mm -hmm. and then it got to the point where that was untenable. And so he stopped going with us, but he would come for the first hour just mm -hmm. to help me with the kids on the bench. Yeah. And our oldest son, he has never really been interested in the church. He's always fought since he was young to go to church. Mm -hmm. And so I could see the writing on the wall with him and- yeah. It was actually really um, this year that I told my husband that I, I don't, I'm done forcing anyone to go to, and yes. forcing anyone to do anything they don't want to do for a long time. They were young. And so we still felt like there was good. So as long as yeah. there was good, we, we could, we could still go with that. But then as they got older, um, they would mention things to us, especially in like young men's programs that we really pushed back towards and they to be honest they have their own sets of ideas they have their own uh values and they would just flat out say it's if you have sex with someone god doesn't stop loving you mm. and they agreed with them and so it was that kind of like you know we could see that the wheels were turning anyway and yeah. then so we did this dance of who's going this week, who's not. There were some weeks with tears. There were others that were totally fine. We did a lot of compromising. Um, mm -hmm. The pandemic was nice space because mm. we could come up with a way to teach the kids uh, that felt more authentic to us and not feel the pressure of church. Yeah. And um, we always did this thing called take it to the lab. So we would try something and, to, and, and just see how it played out until it didn't work. Yeah. And then once it stopped working, then we tried something else. So we were mm. very flexible in that. And then at the beginning of the year, I said, I'm not making anyone go. Whoever wants to go with me can go. And I'm not even going to go every week. I'm going to go maybe once or twice a month. Mm -hmm. And so um, it really, <laughs> my teenagers, I mean, that was it. They were like, we're done. That, and that was fine. 
<laughs> and then my two young ones, um, I would say that they are the ones that most often go with me if they yeah. do come. And I joke that my kids have become a little bit like, you know, Catholic Mormons where they come yeah. on Easter, Mother's Day and Christmas. It's really <laughs> like they're there because they're doing it for me, not necessarily because they yeah. really want to be there, but they recognize that that's something that's valuable to me and they support me in that. And 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 of course, Alan's been very supportive and um, vice versa. Yeah. I love that because I experienced the same thing with my oldest son. I mean, right around 12, 13, he was just like not having it. And, and he was always a very strong-willed child. And um, I was under the impression, and, and it's probably just, you know, learned experience or, you know, I think it's somewhat cultural in Mormonism that it was kind of like this authoritarian parent view of like you do what I say just because I say to do it you know it doesn't matter like I'm the parent you're the child you're going to church no matter what you know um and that did not work <laughs> that was a total nightmare and there was a point where it was like I'm ruining my relationship with my kid because I think that church is so important and this was before my husband ever left or anything told me anything I just had this like realization that like the day he turns 18, he is going to move out and he's going to never look back because he's just going to hate me so much. You know, like it's just going to get worse um, because it really became this total power struggle. And I was like, I can't force him to do anything anymore. I, all I can do is just like love him and focus on us having a good relationship and him knowing how I feel about him. And I've, I made a lot of mistakes, but I feel like as soon as I just kind of like loosened my grip on him and allowed him to make his own choice, like our relationship is a thousand times better. And did he ever go back to church? No, he didn't. <laughs> but I had to like come to terms with like, but that's his choice. Like I, you can't really force somebody to have a testimony. I could, I could have forced him to go to church, I suppose, but I just really felt like that was not serving either one of us. Like every Sunday was so, you know, just a fight. I love that. That's such a good example. And that's really hard for parents to learn that early on, mm -hmm. because if, if you talk to so many of, um, so many people who are dealing with family members who are have kids leaving the church, mm -hmm. especially at our age, you know, that 20, 30 year old age. Um, and, and they're, you know, they're in their well in their 50s, 60s, 70s. It is much more difficult for them to not see that as a projection of who they are or who they were as parents or mm -hmm. how they, how their testimonies would have affected their children. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think you're really giving, you know, a service to yourself and to your, your child for accepting and loving them for who they are. Yeah, it is hard not to say, oh, I didn't do enough to instill these values in my kid. And I really want them to follow this path. And I genuinely think, oh, this is going to be the best path for them. But maybe it's actually not like I really had to rethink all of that and say, maybe what is going to make him happy is not what I think is going to make him happy, you know? Um, and I would, I would get comments from people at church, you know, when they would say, oh, where's your son? And I'd be like, 
he's not coming anymore, you know, and I would hear, and people would say like, oh, you know, any kid that lives under my roof, he has to go to church, you know, like I felt this kind of judgment of them, like feeling like I was just letting him do whatever he wanted. And that felt icky too. So it's just a hard, like, I don't know. I, I think, I feel like I went through like a really, <laughs> a really hard phase there. But when I finally like just stopped caring what other people thought and just started caring about my relationship with him, it got way better. And I didn't make the same mistakes with my other kids. I really kind of more allowed them to, to make those decisions but it does come with a lot of work, right? Like kind of unlearning some things that you had learned in the past. Yes, it does. In fact, this is a funny, we just had this discussion. Um, my, my teenager, he's 16 now. And he said to me, mom, I want to get my ears pierced. And mm. I, I said, no, no, you're not going to get your ears pierced where my daughter's 10 and she had her ears pierced a year ago. Yeah. And I've, and I've really had to catch myself <laughs> thinking to myself, why, why do I feel conditioned to say the way the things yeah. that I do? Why am I so, why is it so difficult for yeah. me to let go of my, what my idea is of what someone should look like? It's, mm -hmm. it's very interesting, but the, the, in, another interesting that has come up is you know, our teenagers now, our teenage boys are dating girls. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, but it's fascinating to me, the girls that they are going for. Yeah. They are, they, they, well, they have mostly non-member friends. Okay. They like the very devout LDS girls. Really? Yes. It's super interesting. It presents all sorts of interesting dynamics and powers. Yes. In fact, my son, who was very close to one girl, um, talked to her about how his parents have this podcast and, you oh. know, it's okay. We can have differences. You know, she would invite him to all of the church stuff. And he was like, I'm not really interested in that. And I can't help that maybe like, I mean, I, I would like to think that maybe they feel the way they do because, you know, like I'm their mom and that's yeah. what they know, you know, yeah. that's what they know. Yeah. Don't but, they say that boys marry someone that's like their mom? <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes I don't know. I'm not like assuming that I am the best person, right. um, I, but I do think that it's, I, I asked my one son one time, like, why are you attracted to that? And they're like, you know, they're just really like, really, really sweet. They really get to know you, you know? And, yeah. and so I'm like, okay. So it's so funny because just when you think you got a handle on something or yeah. you know something about your kid, a, you know, a wrench comes at you and you're like, oh, wow. Okay. We're totally. doing this now. Totally. But yeah. also, like Mormonism raises good kids, right? Like I'm not opposed to that because I see so many you know, so many good things about that too. Um, but that's definitely been kind of a, a conversation and a little bit of a fear now that I'm out of the church too, of like, what if my kids decide, you know, to marry LDS people and get married in the temple and I won't be able to go. And like, that's a whole nother thing. Like, I don't want to experience that. That feels really painful. Yeah, absolutely. And you just never know until you get yeah. to that stage, right? Yeah. And, and you can't control it. So you just right. <laughs> let them do what they're doing. Right. Yes. Yes, exactly. 
So one of the things I, I wanted to talk about, and I like, I just had listened to, I think I was listening to your podcast and then, um, I found this book bridges by David Osler, this, this book and your podcast, I think are the two most like influential things that while I was navigating a mixed faith marriage, because this book is, I mean, I just, I expected it to be like every other book about like dealing with ex-Mormons or people who doubt or whatever, but it wasn't that right. Like, wasn't it just so different where like it genuinely felt like this unconditional love and it made it feel like it gave me permission. Cause I think there's this idea in the church that, you know, when your spouse leaves that, that there's this disconnect and a lot of people end up leaving their spouses. And sometimes that might be an okay decision, but like, I never wanted to feel like I was, um, better than my husband or that I thought I was better than him. And that now he was a less than person because he was out of the church. And I genuinely felt like when I would go to church, it felt a little bit like a project. Like people would say, how are you doing? Like, you're so brave. You come to church every week by yourself and you know, nobody wants to feel that pity. Um, and I'm sure you probably experienced that as well. And like, just, I, I didn't want to resent my husband. I didn't want to think less of him. I genuinely wanted to have, be like on equal footing, even if we were different. And I feel like your podcast taught me that, like your example helped me to see like, you love and respect Alan and you never have talked like he was ruining your life, <laughs> which is an easy thing to think like, oh, you're ruining everything. You're just blowing up our whole world. And so that was huge for me. Like, I appreciate that so much. I'm sure you made it look really easy. I'll just say that. And I'm sure it wasn't. <laughs> well, that's nice of you to say. I, I will say that um, before we started the podcast, we had probably, I don't know, seven, eight months to sort of deconstruct mm. what was going on. Yeah. So that helped because in the beginning, I would say that I definitely felt like I had the moral high ground and, mm -hmm. I, didn't, and I thought, you know, now it's up to me to save the family. I did the doubling mm -hmm. down. I did all of those things. And, uh, I, I just kept saying to him, you know, I, I don't understand why, why you would do this to me. You know, why are you <laughs> causing me so much pain? I've never done anything to you it was yeah. something that I felt like he was inflicting mm -hmm. and um once we could get past just those really I mean just if you talk about the dark night of the soul for me that's that's where it was it was in those beginning yeah. months where I had to take a hard look at myself and decide if this was actually something that I wanted to move yeah. forward with and me then it, it happened to be a um, stake leader I went to him because I had, we had recently come out to our family and friends about Alan's faith transition. And I received a very difficult email from a family member who said that, you know, maybe I should do the hard thing similar to the pioneers and leave my spouse. And I was mm. very, very, very upset about it. What if it. the hard thing is staying? Like, why is the hard thing being pedestalized? And why is it that person's you know, choice, what the hard thing is. Anyway, sorry. 
no, a hundred percent. And yeah. I just, at the time I was so mad because I had made the decision that this was, we were going to make this work. Yeah. And so it felt like, it felt like a slap in the face. And so I went to uh, a leader and I said, here's the email. What do mm -hmm. I do? And he said, Katie, has your husband ever been abusive? And I said, no. He's like, has your, does your husband respect you? And I said, yes. Is your husband supportive? Yes. Is there anything that we should know about that would, would cause for alarm in your husband's character? I said, no. And he said, I would never, never tell someone to get divorced over something like this. Mm. Because this is something that he said, you know, do you know, we only know like a pinky full worth of informa information and knowledge. And you just, kn you don't know. So I I'm telling you right now that this is not something to divorce your spouse about. Yeah. And not that I, not that I needed, I needed the validation in that moment, but yeah. not that I didn't already think that it would work out in the end. Yeah. And I was actually really grateful for that leader because that helped me move forward and helped me set pretty clear boundaries about what I was willing to, to discuss and not. And when this person would come to me and say, well, I've had a dream and I would just stop them right there. And I would say, okay, so if this is not going to be helpful to my marriage, um, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. And so early on that communication was kind of like, I set the firm boundaries, um, right, right away. Yeah. And that has definitely helped. Absolutely. Yeah. But it is, a, it is so hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not the easy path and everyone thinks they know what's best for you. <laughs> right. I mean, everyone thinks that they know what's best for you because we ourselves know how to be happy. Right. We think we know like, oh, we know that this is the best route. Um, it is the harder route, like you said, to honor the person's decision. And, mm -hmm. and that, that comes with its own baggage, you know, yeah. so to speak, but you, I just, I knew that uh, divorcing wouldn't wouldn't solve anything, no. and in in most cases it doesn't because you're still having to co-parent mm -hmm. with this person, either divorced or together. Yeah, and um, we decided that it was better to do it together. And I will say for the you know for the majority of the mixed faith couples that we see in this area, that if there is cause for divorce it's because there are so many fractured problems in the relationship right. that this is just kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back. Right. You know, if you are already bad at communication, if you were already not emotionally invested in your partner, if you were already um, going through crisis and mm -hmm. other financial emotion, whatever it might be, abusive behavior, yeah. this is just this reveals the truth of the relationship Ooh, and yeah. you can no longer move forward like that. And so this, this sometimes is right. The tipping point. And I'm not talking about those who really, there are truly people out there whose spouses kind of just ditch them and the church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm not talking about those, but I'm talking about in general, that's what we've seen, which is yeah. why sometimes it is better to go your separate ways. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do think I'm, I'm super lucky in that I already had a good marriage. I didn't, we didn't have a lot of other things um, there. And I think just 
like honestly having a lot of mutual respect for one another. Like he didn't, he, he was way kinder than he should been, should have been to me or that I deserved because, you know, he never, he never made me feel like I was, you know, stupid for staying in the church or, and even when I was like a little bit hard on him about it, he just, he was just always had a lot of grace and respect for me. And so that was a huge plus. And, and then also I had seen marriages where, um, you know, I I had family members who essentially married for totally the wrong reasons and just that, oh, he's a righteous priesthood holder and he was not a good person, you know, and it was revealed after their marriage that he was a toxic person, but it was like, oh, but he's a righteous priesthood holder. So she stayed in it way longer than she should have, you know? And, um, and so I think like basing your whole marriage on whether they hold the priesthood or part of the church, I think is just like not a good thing either way, either direction. Um, and you know, I, I think because I had experience with that, I didn't necessarily think, oh my gosh, if my husband doesn't have the priesthood, he's the worst person. Cause I had seen the opposite end of that or the other side of that coin. And like our state president, he was, um, he didn't serve a mission, you know, and he was open about that. And he would say like, you know, and so I just, I saw examples of like really good Mormons who maybe didn't do all the perfect check mark things. And then I saw examples of, you know, really good people outside of the church who I still, you know, highly respected and, and revered and thought, okay, so I think that was really like one way that I was able to like love and accept my husband is because I, I had my eyes open to that where some people really have just a very narrow vision of like, you either are in the church or you're bad <laughs> and you can't have that in a mixed way marriage. Right. Yeah. And after a time you really try, you really um, start to understand, uh, I think the, the pain, the, mm. the journey that they go through in order to, um, come to a new understanding and deconstruct who they are and then try to rebuild what they believe it's mm-hmm. very painful it's painful to watch mm-hmm. it's it's you really do have a lot of compassion and anyone who's outside of the marriage even our own children uh, don't understand that because they don't see the day to day and you know where I really love the book bridges is because it tries to bridge that gap really between Mm -hmm. those really believing people who are earnestly a lot of them are trying to understand yeah a lot of them are are trying to be supportive and unknowingly saying very hurtful comments like you said right like you're so brave to be here uh you know um oh you're doing things on your own um we just I think that we just don't know another way and so Alan and I I mean we were at church Uh, just last week and someone came up to us and said oh it's so good to see you here and my response was well when you drive down the street stop and say hello to me because you know I I really do believe we've given everyone the benefit of the doubt so you know um we have to just steer them in a more positive direction their comments to teach them you know it's okay that we're not here every week you know there are other opportunities to see us Alan got the comment of went one step for for you know one step farther Mm -hmm. a a brother said to him 
you know, you really ought to be here more often. (laughs) (laughs) And, and Alan is so, he's very loving and he's very affirming to how people feel. And he said, he said, well, I forgot where this place was. I, I forgot that it was <laughs> down the street from us. He just makes it into a very less awkward. Yes, um, he can make a lighthearted joke. and Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And so um, because of that, I think we've been able to, to balance this relationship with, you know, those who are fully in and those, mm-hmm. you know, those who in our neighborhood are, also very more much more similar to us Mm. and you know the book bridges is an excellent example we've given it to all of our leaders we've given it to numbers we've given it to everyone yeah and his newest edition includes uh mixed faith marriage so second edition we did um we collaborated on that chapter and it's completely about the, the difficulties and and how you can support someone in a mixed faith marriage and what is useful to say and what is more more damaging or difficult for people to hear in that situation. And so, uh, yeah, I'm a big champion of David Oster. That is so fantastic. I knew that he had come out with a second edition, but I didn't realize that, that you guys were involved in that and then it's about the mixed faith marriage. Okay, now I have to go, now I have to get the second edition. I literally, yeah, like I read this book in like two days and I don't know, you probably can't see, but there's like so many pages that are marked that are folded down. And um, I saved so many little like parts and quotes and I sent it to my bishop. I sent it to my mom. I sent it to my dad. Like, <laughs> I'm just like everyone. And I really think that the church would be um, a much more, maybe, may, I don't know if nuance is the right word, but they, they wouldn't have such a narrow view if they could read this book and recognize what people outside are experiencing or people who leave. Um, I think sometimes you tend to just kind of, and I was totally that person in the church where I had very black and white thinker thinking. I had blinders on that didn't allow me to kind of see other people's experience outside of the church. I was very much that person. So I totally know why people are that way. And I, and, um, I can empathize with it, but I genuinely think the church would be a way healthier and safer place. If every single member of the church read this book, um, cause it's really just that helpful in just shifting the way you think just enough to open up your heart, right. To like differences and difference in beliefs from other people. Yeah, and I think too, if people could understand that really everyone's on their own journey and really honoring the journey means not not using fear or shame or yes. you know, to to try and so to speak bring people back, but mm-hmm. it's okay to, you know, be friends and it's okay to keep tabs on people and really um it it just says, where is it coming from? Is this coming yeah. from a place of like understanding and because you care, you care about what the journey has been like for the other person mm-hmm. or are you doing it to fulfill a calling or a number? And yeah. you can tell, I, I believe that, you know, yeah. you can tell the people who are being genuine about it. Mm-hmm. And that those who, 
you know, it's hard to do a drive by when you're walking through the hall. Someone's like, oh my gosh, I didn't see you. It was good to see you. Let's yeah. catch up. You know, yeah. there's, there's a difference between the two and I'm not saying one is better than the other, but it allows you, it definitely allows you more space to share what you choose is, is best to share with, you know, depending on how um, people respond and how they approach your own situation. And this is out of the church and this is in the church. And this is, this is for anyone in Mormonism really. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I have a question about like, I mean, I feel like this is kind of a hard space to be in. Sometimes it can be like a really emotionally heavy space. I mean, even just myself, um, you know, doing this podcast and, um, it, it brings up a lot of feelings and emotions. And, um, I have conversations with people, um, and I'm, I'm more hearing, um, just people's exit stories, you know, out of the church. And maybe I'm, um, hearing just like more of like the negative and the harm. And, and I try to not have my podcast be too much of like a, you know, just like a session of just venting about the church, but sometimes that is a, a necessary part of this journey, but it, and, and I'm sure that you hear a lot of that too. And you're also, it's like a combination because it's that, but it's also like trying to keep, you know, trying to help people navigate their marriages in that where one spouse is different than the other. And you're trying to do this from a believing view. So standpoint, I think that's even, you know, compounded what I'm experiencing by 10 times. So how do you, how do you keep yourself grounded and stay in this space and, and feel good about it? I mean, I, there's gotta be days where you're like, I'm so done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's a loaded question. (laughs) There have been times and usually, you know, we usually take December off. We usually take the summer off because you know, really, this is not our full-time job. We have lives outside yes. of this. And we um, also realize that, you know, while it's it's important, we, we feel like it's really good work, we would never want to take away from our family, our mm-hmm. family time together with the kids <clears throat> yeah. um, because of it. But I, I will say, <laughs> um, there, I definitely do, uh, I do, limit myself to what what I share Mm -hmm. and um you know we don't get in one of the things about the podcast that was from the beginning we wanted was we wanted it to be a safe place for both believers and non-believers anyone in between we wanted people to be able to to trust us that we weren't going to get into the weeds right so to speak of church history what this person has done what they haven't done so on and so forth. So because of that, we've really kept it about the marriage and it's, you know, as time has passed, things have, have ebbed and flowed. Um, you know, I'm a very, I would say I'm a very nuanced member. I would say I'm a very progressive Mormon, um, in that I would like to see change in, in a lot of aspects with Mormonism. I realized the churches, I don't believe that this is the one true church. I believe that for me, this is the path that I've chosen and my journey is here right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of good that I have absorbed from it. Having said that, and also being in the position that we're in, 
we also know the damage that's been done. Mm -hmm. And that's some of the things that, you know, we don't really talk about because it's not really applicable to mixed yeah. faith marriage. And also I'm very protective of the fact that um, I want, I want members to feel like that they're being represented um, in, in a, in a positive way, right? Not, yeah. there's a lot of negative negativity out there, but Definitely. I feel like I, I would never want to influence someone's, someone's decisions based on what I said, right? Mm -hmm. If it's, if it's going to be, um, if it's going to be a positive or a negative experience, it'll be about me and my spouse and our marriage. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, in and out of the church, since I believe so strongly that everyone has their own journey and their own path, I just, I don't want to take that from someone, hmm. which is why we kind of stayed, stayed yeah. like above ground. Right. Yeah. Um, which makes it difficult because there are definitely things that I would love to say that are hard for me that mm. come up in the marriage. Right. That Alan and I, Alan and I are on the same page with a lot of things mm -hmm. and then there are key differences. Yeah. And so, um, I, I feel like it, it's, it's just, you know, we're at five years and, you know, we've, we've asked ourselves like, when do we, when do we call it quits? Like, <laughs> when do we stop? Yeah. And then, and then we'll have kind of like this rejuvenation. We just finished a workshop with Natasha. So we oh. do these workshops with couples and yes, we have Natasha helper as the therapist and we do these seven week courses. And it's so, it's just like amazing to see people go through a transformation in their marriage where yes. they were, you know, on the brink of divorce and, and so many of them turn it around and they learn these communications tools and everything. So that's extremely rewarding work yeah. that we get yeah. to do. Um, but other than that, it's like, there's very little room in our schedule and our time to do, to do much more. Yeah. Um, we've joked, like, let's find a couple to take over the podcast. In fact, yeah. Um, Pass the baton. <laughs> yes. Can we, can we find someone to replace you? But um, it was John um, who said, you can't replace people because people are interested in the story and where it goes. Mm, interesting. And so, and so it's, it's just not as easy, but um, we recently did an interview with John and Margie Dillon, which was excellent. And, you know, one thing that Alan and I really feel strongly about is that um, there really needs to be some mended fences in the community yes. when it comes to understanding who people are like for yeah. them, not, not for what you perceive, but for who they are. Yes. And um, it was John and Margie's first ever interview as a couple, which is hard to believe right. they've talked, they've talked together and interviewed right? other people. They've never been interviewed, which was like, what? Interesting. But um, it was a really nice way for people. I think that you can learn something from everyone's marriage. Yes. Because everyone's marriage has these ups and downs and ebbs and flows. And it was really nice to see that in a very different context. And mm -hmm. so Alan and I, you know, have kind of recommitted ourselves to moving forward, um, wanting to mend some of these fences and, and present people that I think have been misjudged, who mm -hmm. have been um, called all sorts of names, and both on the believing side, both on the mm -hmm. post-Mormon side, uh, wherever they may fall, because I still feel like there's value 
and there's mm-hmm. something for them to offer all of us. Definitely. And that's kind of the direction where I see things going. And it honestly feels more authentic to myself because yeah. I can identify, you know, so many things that they talk about in our own marriage and um, find a new perspective, which is very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, you can't go wrong with just being open-minded and open-hearted with hearing people's stories and just seeing the humanity in everyone. Like it's, I, I can definitely see that that part of the change that I've had has been so helpful because I was very black and white thinking good and bad. You're either good or you're bad. You're either this or you're that. And that has definitely, I have evolved in that way over the last several years and um, it makes such a huge difference because, yeah, it's just it's just being more open to humans in all the ways instead of like shutting down something that you think, oh, that, I disagree with that person. So I'm shutting them out or I, that person is like being I think that I had a lot of fear um, and fear around fear around ex-Mormons, honestly, um, because I felt like I felt the anger coming from them. I felt their frustration. Um, my, my brother left the church several years, uh, before me and my husband did, and his wife is still in. So they're, they're in a mixed faith marriage and they've figured out a way to do it too. And so I see that. And I mean, yeah, I, I feel bad because I never, when my brother left the church, I never asked him why I never, I didn't want to know. I didn't want to even have a conversation with him about anything to do with what he believed because I was afraid. I think when you can like just take down the walls and the barriers that we build up around us and just look at people's humanity and, and be more comfortable with people believing differently than you it makes such a big difference. Yeah. Oh, I love that you said that, especially about your brother. Um, and again, it goes back to um, honoring those those people who are making the best decisions for them and their family. And that might yeah. be that might be a very orthodox, you know, membership. And that's you know, I just I think that it's important to respect wherever anyone is um on their journey and really that's that's kind of the goal um we've got tim and aubrey chavez and they are the um they are the podcast couple for faith matters and they have an interesting story where they went through their own um crisis of faith and they came out kind of in a different place than than some people yeah. And so, um, yeah, we all have something to offer one another and that black and white thinking is profound within, within Mormonism and outside, and outside. Mormonism, which yes. can cause some, some, you know, toxicity within ex-Mormon communities. And there's absolutely a place for anger. There's a place for, you know, just, uh, really like dealing with so many hard and emotional feelings. There is, there is a place for that. I, the goal though, should not be to stay in that place. The goal is to find, find the journey for you that works. Find healing. Yeah. And find healing. Yes. And, um, give yourself, 
life again, right? Whatever that is. Yeah. I love that you said that because you're totally right. I mean, my black and white thinking didn't go away when I left the church. Um, it's definitely a process. And I, I think I've made a lot of progress, but again, like the black and white thinking still came with me. And then it was like, well, now everyone should leave because I left, <laughs> you know, or this is the way I believe now. So my mom needs to know this and she needs to leave. And my dad needs to know that, you know, and then it's like, well, wait, no, the church is working for them. They are, they are really happy where they are. Like, and I've had that conversation with my mom where she's like, I love the church. It brings me so much peace. And, and I'm not going to lie. Like that was hard for me. Like, because of my just the way my brain works, I was just so black and white thinking like, yeah, but this, you know, and you need to, you need to see things my way. And, and then it's like, well, no, that's not everybody's journey. So it's still definitely a process for me to accept that not everybody's going to come to the same conclusion as me and uh, that people are going to choose whatever path is going to make them the most happy. And that, and that's okay. Like it has, it has to be okay. It's not like I, I can change it. <laughs> right. And this is, I also think it's a yes. And situation mm. like, yes, you can have your own journey and yes, I want you to do what's best for you. And this is an, this is a message that I'm hearing that's harmful or, mm, yes. and this is, this is, you know, because this is the way that you want to proceed good for you for, you know, moving forward, this is how our family is going to proceed. Mm. And that's, that's fine. I hope you yes. can honor me where I, you know, and I'm honoring you. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think that this is a never talk about difficult discussions, you know, um, don't right. talk about harmful messages. This is something that you have to practice in your relationship, just like your marriage, um, in order to become proficient and able to um, discuss these things without it getting so heated or, you know totally. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that you, you're doing a lot, you're practicing a lot of that within your own relationships with fully <laughs> believing members, as well as, I mean, Alan and I just the other day, um, I asked him if I could turn on gospel music because I'm like, I feel like I'm really like, like missing Jesus music, honey. <laughs> so Sunday I said, do you mind, you know, so I just said, play gospel music and it starts bringing up songs. Okay. Well, so we're listening through the songs. And, um, and I said, oh my gosh, do you remember, you know, this song sounds so similar to EFY 2000. And he's like, I haven't listened to that in years. So we turn it on and, and right away, Alan's like, I'm feeling very triggered by this. And I I said, oh, tell me, tell me about that. Tell me what's triggering you. He's like, oh, I have this memory on the mission. And, and we go through this. And at the end, we turn the music off and, you know, I, I walk away from understanding him better and mm. understanding why that, that that's tender for him. He also walks away um, honoring that I, I still really enjoy that type of music and, mm-hmm. and it brings, it brings me joy for no other reason, but brings me peace and joy and he can get on board with that. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's a, it's a tricky tightrope that we all do with each other. Definitely. I love that you asked him questions about 
what was triggering him or things. And it wasn't just a, okay, shut it down and walk away. You know, it was, it turned into a conversation. I, dude, I have not listened to that kind of stuff for so long. That just like brought up some memories in me. I'm like, I need to go back and listen. Like, I remember loving, um, yeah, lots of EFY music. I remember loving like Michael McLean and I would just like belt out, you know, all the songs. And, and I also really loved hymns and things like that. I probably haven't pulled out that music in forever. And I wonder if it would trigger me or if it would bring up some stuff. I don't know. But like the music was one of my favorite parts of church. For sure. Like, yeah, that's and I, I always feel the spirit. And I think too, like, oh my gosh, there is so much room for improvement with music, right? In the music yes. category. Yes. Because you know, just the same old stuff. Um, it, that in itself can be triggering. Just the fact that it's like sung in the way it's sung by yeah. the little tab or whatever it might be. I went to this the rest, this restore conference, and I would say it's a very, um, it's a showcase of very progressive Mormonism. Okay. And um, one of the things though I loved was that they had music from all different genres, um, all different. Um, ethnicities walks of life people got up and and sang and presented a you know a musical experience and it was powerful and that was one thing that I just I just really like felt in my heart I was like this is what I'm yearning for I'm yearning for diversity in on our own culture in our own church um when it comes to music and I think music's powerful and um to me, that's something that really speaks to me. And so after that, I started to listen to more sort of like, you know, Christian gospel-y type, type yeah. um, music. But I do wish that that, you know, the church would <laughs> uh, take a turn towards that. <laughs> Are they ever going to let us have a rock band in Sacramento? I don't well, <laughs> I'll tell you, I, we took our daughter to, we went to rock church once because Alan wanted <laughs> to try it. And, uh, and our daughter, our, our teenagers were like, yeah. And then our daughter, you know, we got in the car and said, what do you think about that? And she said, well, that wasn't very reverent mom. And I said, so you didn't like it? And she said, no, I like quiet music. I'm like, okay, everyone has a preference. It's, we're good. It's fine. That is so funny. I should, I should try that sometime. <laughs> Rock church. I, yeah. I, I haven't ever been to one. That is funny. So do you feel like, um, since you've started this, do you think that you're seeing, um, some progress in terms of like, you know, coming together or like some merging of, um, I don't know, just like others other than yourself becoming more nuanced. Like, do you ever feel like it's an insurmountable task to kind of bring some more nuance and, and bridge that gap? Or do you think that it's happening in some ways? Ooh, it's hard to measure, right? Um, because everyone has this leader roulette, right? Where you've got some progressive leaders and then you've got some very orthodox, um, orthodox leaders. I've seen a lot of really great things. Um, I've also have, heard of horror stories so it's hard to tell what I can what I what I can say is that uh I think that the pandemic really pushed people to decide whether or not going back was for them 
Mm. And um, that's that's a very common theme, at least in our group, is that their yeah. spouse, a spouse realizes, you know, I was already having issues with the church and then the pandemic hit. And mm. now, yeah, there's no way I can go back to that. Mm, interesting. And so I, I do feel like there is a shift for sure in, in church where um, members are feeling like they are the self author of their journey that mm. no longer are they relying on um, other people to tell them where to go and how to get there that yeah. they are deciding for themselves which you know I know that that can sound scary for church leaders they want people to stay in the fold and I totally understand that I also feel like it's liberating because you know when someone asks you to do something and you feel obligated to do it it's not really a yes. It's a yes mm -hmm. with resentment. Yeah. And so when you yeah. when you are when you decide for yourself that this is the decision you've made and this is what you want to do, you can move forward um feeling good about yourself and your own decision and having it feel authentic to you. And yeah. so sadly that that's in and out of the church, you know, that may mean that I only show up one Sunday a month because that's what feels good for me. And I think mm -hmm. that that's what I need is to be with my family the other Sundays or whatever it might, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if we, if, if we as members in the church really believe in personal, um, the power of prayer, the personal authority, that means that that's going to trump what other people tell me I should be doing. Yeah, And that's hard for members because I think that we've always been taught that, well, if it doesn't align with leaders, then you're wrong. Yeah. And I, I just, that to me, for me, who knows anyone better than myself. And right. if you have a belief in a higher being God too, for me, I, I also believe that God and myself, like we have this relationship where I'm going to, um, understand who I am through him, which means that I may disagree. And for me, that's, that's okay. And not everyone is there. There is a, a, a large amount of nuance, right? That, that mm -hmm. takes place when you get to that place. Yeah. But I, I do think that there is this, we're at, we're getting to this tipping point mm -hmm. where there's so many people on the verge of, you know, in, out, how do we make this work? How do we stay in um, that? Who knows what decisions will be made from the church moving forward. I'm hoping yeah. it goes in a progressive state. I don't know if it will. Um, yeah. But, you know, all you can do is have the influence over where you are now. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I try to focus on, whether it be a comment in Relief Society or yes. definitely here on the podcast. That's the only thing, you know, I, I can just do what I can do. And um, I'm not going to wait around for everyone to get on board. I'm yeah. just going to make the best decisions moving forward for me and my family. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. Um, and I think if more people could embrace some nuance, I think that you actually, I don't think that that makes people leave the church. I actually think it makes more space for them to stay um, having that nuance and um, so, you know, in some ways I kind of feel sad about my lack of nuance because it's like, I tried to stay, but I, I 
I couldn't, I couldn't like get past certain things. So, but I wish I could have, because I know that I'm missing a lot of the good things in the church. And I, I felt like the space that I was in, like in my ward, like you mentioned, leader roulette. Now I had a really great leader. My, our Bishop was fantastic. He's still a good friend, but the way my church, my ward was super orthodox and it just didn't feel like there was space for progression or, you know, more nuanced thinking. And when my daughter came out as gay, as far as I knew, she was the only gay person in our ward, which I know isn't true, but, no. but nobody's talking about it. Nobody's, um, and, and it really felt like some immediate walls went up when we were kind of open about the like, and she was t- totally open and she loved young women's and she really loved the church and she wanted to stay, but it, it just became so hard because it just felt like we were butting our heads against something that felt very, like there was not room. There was not enough to embrace us and this kind of more progressive thinking. And so I think that nuance is really key in helping people be able to stay. And if, and if all of us can like, just open that up just a little bit more, I think you'd actually have more members staying than leaving. Do you, do you think, do you see that at all or? Yeah, I, it just depends on, you know, like the circumstances of where they are. And, and I, you know, I want to give you a lot of uh, credit because you know, I, I think too, it's, it's just as important to leave, to know when to leave mm-hmm. as it is to know how long to stay, or if you want to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, that those are equally difficult thoughts and ideas because you, it, there, there is kind of a death that you go through, right. Of a such yes. a huge part of yourself, huge mm-hmm. part of yourself and, and everything you've known and, the the tribe that you belong to it is it is so very very difficult and I I you know at times I've I've asked myself like okay what why am I still around <laughs> what am I doing this is not it yeah. it is not linear it is not yes it is there are there are ups and downs constantly and there mm-hmm. are days where I'm like wow this you know this last Sunday our our lesson was on seven ways to better love each other in Relief mm-hmm. Society. And it was all about non-judgment, non-shaming. It was all mm. about um, understanding and um, and not speaking, just listening. Mm. And I and I went and I felt like, gosh, that was such a breath of fresh air. That was exactly what I needed. But yeah. there have also been plenty of Sundays I've gone and I thought, what the hell am I doing here? Why <laughs> am I? Why am I still around? And especially mm. for someone that has a kiddo. Who comes out as LGBTQ um, mm-hmm. in this community? Ever, I mean, it is very difficult. It is yeah. very difficult, and you know, um, I I heard this speaker, and you know, one thing he said was, "We suck at telling each other the truth." Oh, and it's true. As <laughs> yes. members, we are so passive aggressive. We <laughs> care so much about each other that we we are unwilling to tell each other the truth about what's happening mm-hmm. about yeah. each other about who, who we are, about the really, really big difficulties. We're willing to give and give and give and give. However, we are, we are very, we are very bad at receiving. We don't want people in. We don't want them to know that we're struggling 
or that um, we're not the picture perfect family on the front row whose kids don't make a peep. Like we (laughs) don't want people to see that. And the facade is killing us. It's It's killing us. It's killing everyone because, you know, I had this, I had so many fixed ideas about so many people in my ward. And then as soon as, as soon as we were open about what we are going through, as soon as we were able and free to talk about it, mm-hmm. it was like, we became secret keepers because then people would come to us and say, um, yeah. and it wasn't, it wasn't about leaving the church. It was about their gay son. It was about ah. just diagnosed with being bipolar. And mm. why? Because you open yourself up to show I, I, there, here I am. My life is a shit show sometimes. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is how I'm, I'm just going to be here and I'll be here for you. And I'm not going to give you the platitudes that you need or you want. I'm just going to sit, you know, sit here with you in, in whatever you're going through. And that's what people want. People, people don't want to be told like, oh, it's fine. It'll all work out. You know, God loves you. That's not no. what people need. And I, I just, I wish that we were better at telling each other the truth. Because if we did, like, you, how much would we be open to being nuanced, to not being the one that's always right? Yeah. I think it would just change the whole way we interact with each other at church. Oh. Anyway. Katie, you- Look it up my soapbox. <laughs> you are an absolute just gift. I- could not agree more. I just love you. I love everything you say. And I just, I really do. I genuinely mean that. Like, I just think the world of you, I, man. Yeah. I just want to reach through my computer and hug you because (laughs) yeah, that, that really is so beautiful. I totally agree. And as soon as we start opening up about our hard things, other people feel safe to open up about their hard things. And there is not a single person on this planet that is not dealing with something hard and, and something really hard or multiple really hard things. Like, so I love, and that, I mean, man, that just like, it just lifts me up to have conversations like this and to feel like we can just be real about the real struggles and, and, um, the humanity. I, I just, I love that. Thank you so much. Like, I really appreciate all the words of wisdom that you have and um, the space that you're in. And I think you're doing such great work. And I, I even like, you know, we talked about having you come on and I thought, well, I've got to do my homework a little bit. And I already, of course, listened to a lot of your, your beginning episodes, but since I've left the church, I haven't really listened to that many and I'm still in the marriage on a tightrope group, like, yes. because I love it. Like I love the conversations and I'm no longer in a mixed faith marriage, but I'm not leaving this space because no. I think it's so great. Um, but yeah, I just, I can't even remember where, what my thought was going to, Oh, Oh, I know what I was going to say about that was, um, you know, I've gone, I've gone back and listened to a couple of your episodes and, um, I genuinely started to question myself of like, like, man, my podcast, I'm maybe I'm being like too, too grumpy or too venty or too bashy on the church. Like I need to stop doing that because there's a place for everyone and everything. It, there is a place for everything. And you are just as valued as, as us hundred percent. 
I'm, I'm telling you, people need to hear the, the hard stuff. It's yeah. true. It's true. I mean, people do, I think people do appreciate and, and it is validating to hear like somebody else say, yeah, this is a shit show. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that, but I appreciate so much what you're doing. And I don't know if you have anything else that you wanted to share or any other parting words of wisdom before we end this, anything you didn't have the opportunity to say, go for it. Oh gosh. I don't think I do. Um, only that I, I just think that you're incredible. I love what you're doing. I really feel strongly that the more voices out there, the better the community can get. And so I really applaud you for, for putting, I mean, putting, um, out all the episodes that you do because it, it's, I don't, I mean, for anyone listening, it's not easy. This is not easy work. It's hard work. We take time out of our days to, yeah. to do this and, and, um, you should all be subscribed. You should all donate to, um, Ada because, um, it, you know, it goes to a really good cause. It, it helps motivate you to keep going. You don't need the money. Yeah. You don't get paid enough. Right, it, right. That's it's not, not about getting is. rich. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about the money. It isn't, but it does help you to continue. And that's something I didn't know in the beginning. And John Dillon was actually the one that told us, you know, in the beginning, you guys really need to think about this. And we didn't. And then here we are five years later and we're like, oh, okay. He actually was not wrong. So yeah. I hope people go and support you. But if any of you have, um, are in a mixed faith marriage yourself, if you have relatives or friends that are, you are welcome to send us to Marriage marriage on a Tightrope, which is the podcast. We also have a Facebook community. We have an Instagram mm-hmm. that I, I barely post on. It's just like whenever an episode comes out. Yeah. Um, but we are looking forward to future projects. Our future projects are really um, based on wanting to, um, I don't know, extend a hand over the fence really and mend some of those ties um listen to people on all sides of mormonism and in and outside mormonism i just heard ginger duggar has coming out with a new book about her her experience and her husband's experience leaving their faith and i am dying i would love to try and get them um on marriage on a tightrope because i just think it's fascinating we have we have a a a large a large portion uh, that listens to marriage on tightrope that are um, ex-evangelicals. Yeah, I saw you just recently did an episode with a Jehovah's Witness couple. Yeah, Jehovah Witness. And that's so so great. It's so much bigger than our little niche. I mean, it's, you know, our our little niche is is here. It it makes up the majority of the group, but there are so many people going through the same thing. And um, so there are resources out there. You can message us. Um, we have marriage on a tightrope at gmail.com. If you would like to email us with questions or comments, or if you hated this interview and you want to blast me, that's fine too. Wouldn't be the first time. (laughs) Oh no, don't say that. Oh, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, we are not for everyone and we're okay with that. Yeah. And I just hope everyone will on their journey, wherever it might take them and really healing. 
Yeah. I love that. And the whole reason why I wanted you on was one for that, because I love you and I followed you and I just think you're super wise. And two, I wanted you, not Alan, because even though I love Alan, I think he's wonderful. I, this is a space where I want women's voices to be heard. And I think it's really important, especially in this space, because we have so many um, men speaking out and, and having podcasts and telling their stories. And that's great and fine, but I really want women to feel like they have a place here too. And like, we have our voices and we get to be heard. And I've had multiple people reach out to me and say, Hey, I'm in a mixed faith marriage and I am really struggling, you know, and this is a really hard space. And so, yes, I think the work you are doing is so necessary and so needed and so appreciated by so many people. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just, from the bottom of my heart, really sincerely, I love you. You and I, we need to go to lunch and to take our spouse. Maybe we need to go on a date. Yes. Spouses. And because we live, I only live uh, maybe 20 or 30 minutes away from you. So yeah, Yeah. we need to to meet up and go to dinner sometime because I just think you guys are the best. I love that. I would love to, of course. (laughs) And thank you for amplifying those, those women voices. That is a very, very important cause to me as well. So I love that you're doing that here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for this conversation and we'll um, end the podcast now. (laughs) 